Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Tonight, we're going to talk about light. There's something, I was having this conversation with my kids the other, other day. We were just laying out in the living room, and it was dark, and Anna was like, I really don't like the, the dark. Can we just, can we turn some lights on? And it wasn't pitch black or anything. We we're just laying out there waiting, um, put the kids to bed. And I was just like, why, why is it bothering you? And she's like, I, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's bothering me. Can we turn some lights on? I was like, there's nothing in this room right now that wasn't here five minutes ago and the lights were on. She's like, well, I don't know that. I was like, I know that. I know. I can tell you. Just trust me. There's nothing else. But it, it doesn't matter, like, how many times or how many different ways I try to explain it. It's like she can be in her bedroom, too, and, and both of our, our girls are this way. Reese is not, not so much um, yet, anyways. Hopefully, hopefully not. But I think there is still something inside of us, like, when the lights go out or when it's dark, there's still this kind of, like, ominous feeling, right, when we, when we don't know what's around us, because light, light is powerful, right? And that contrast between light and darkness is very real. The feeling that we get is very real, whether we're in the light or in the darkness. Um, I remember when we took a trip up to Alaska to see my great uncle, and it was during the summer, and it's light for all but a few hours, and Man, it messed with me. I could not go to sleep early in the morning. Kids, go to bed. And it was like, we were wide awake. So how do we do that? And then I've read about people who go through this, like, major depression in the winter up there because it's dark. And I don't know about you guys, but I can definitely feel a difference, right, in December, January, and February when the days are shorter and, and the, there's more darkness outside. It's just like, oh, and the spring comes, and it's like life is coming back in the sunshine and the days are getting longer and you just want to be outside and because light is powerful and it's powerful in scripture too and there's a lot said in the bible about light and the power and the representation that it has Um, you hear a lot this time of year about jesus the light of the world coming into the earth hanukkah which gets ready to start um, tomorrow night at sundown Um, one of the names for it is the Feast of Lights. And um, the whole eight days of celebration is celebrating Jesus as the light of the world, and it's incredible. So tonight I'm going to talk about three movements, three movements in Scripture that illustrate the power and significance of light. The first one is in Genesis 1. These are a these are a new thing. So, you know, I hit 40, and then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I've been fighting as long as I could, so. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kenny. Not as good as you, though. Thank you. All right, in Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The first thing 
that God says in scripture is let there be light. Very, very first spoken words by God. So that's the first movement. And then we go to the middle of the story. So beginning, you got creation of the world and you get let there be light. I'm gonna jump into John chapter one. John chapter one, verses one through five. I'm going to be bouncing all over. You guys can see all these tabs on my Bible, so I got. (laughs) All right, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing, or was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Movement number one, creation of the world. Movement number two, Christ's incarnation. The word become flesh, dwelling among us. Both, you can see the element of light being brought into this. And then we go to the end of the book, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will be no need for lamp or light or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let there be light in the beginning. Jesus the light comes into the earth, And in the very end, it'll be all light forever. And God will be the light in the middle of everything. Everything will be illuminated by him. Beginning, middle, and end, you see light interwoven through scripture. So the next thing I want to talk about is like, why is this significant? Why is it so important to point out light? Why is God create the very first thing God says is let there be light? The end of the end, God is going to establish that light. Why does Jesus need to become the light of the world? Why is this so important? Well, first thing is, each of these three movements are acts of creation. And all three of these movements bring about something new. The first one's pretty obvious, right? The creation of the world, everything's made, there's nothing besides God. And then he makes everything, act of creation in movement one. The planets, the stars, the waters, the land, the animals, the people, it was all new. That's the obvious one. However, movement two, when we look at the incarnation of the word, the incarnation of God in the person of Jesus, that is also an act of creation. It is also bringing about something new. One, we get the word. The word of God is becoming flesh. The creation of Jesus without the act of any man, that is an act of God to create the embodiment of himself, the embodiment of the word 
in Jesus was an act of creation to bring about something new. And while Jesus already existed, because it says in the beginning was God and the word, and Jesus is the word, and he was in the beginning. Jesus isn't new, but this rendition, this embodiment of God in Jesus, in the form of Jesus, is a new creation at that time. And not only is Jesus a new creation at that time, or the embodiment of Jesus the, a new creation, but he came to make a new creation. You following me? All right. What is that new creation? It's you guys. It's me. It's this. It's the church. It's the body. The church didn't exist, right? Israel had failed its position. It had failed its job to be a light into the nations. The Pharisees, the Sadducees had failed and were leading people astray. They were hypocrites, not all of them, but a lot of them were. And, and God's like, I gotta, I gotta fix this. And the only way to fix it is to do it myself, to go there and to demonstrate it in the person of Jesus, to create a body that is completely new, a body of Jews, Gentiles, Protestants, Catholics, I don't want to sound like Martin Luther King, but it's starting to sound like as I have a dream speech here. But it's the same thing, right? It's to bring everybody, bring the nations back together in this new creation. Whether you're from Ethiopia, China, North Korea, United States, Argentina, France, it doesn't matter. You get to be a part of this new creation, something that did not exist at that point in time. 2 Corinthians 5.17 you guys know this one. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I know for some of us, it's hard to get up in the morning and be like, yeah, I feel new, right? Especially the longer we go, it's like the less new we feel, right? But at the same time, like I, I had this conversation with my wife the other night. It's like my life, I can clearly see two different lives when I look back over my 40 years. I can see all those years where, yes, I was raised in the church, but they weren't serious follower of Christ years of my life and, and going astray and going down this bad path. And then the Jesus intervention in my life that wrecked me and turned me inside out and upside down and remade me and then finally got me on the right path. And I can see, it, it does, it seems like a whole different life in those first 23 years of my life. And then the last 17, while they've been difficult at times, I have felt like a new creation. I have felt like it is a new life. I have felt like it has purpose and hope and drive and, and beauty that never existed in my life before. And that is what Jesus, because here is to make you and me new. Because we needed it. Because we were dead, we were broken, we were without hope in the world. That new creation that we have become, as soon as we put our faith in Jesus, is not supposed to continue to act, think, behave like the old creation, like the old self. 
Let's look at some verses here that talk about what this new creation is supposed to look like. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 tells us to put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 say, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all else, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And lastly, Romans 6, verse 6, says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Do you guys feel new? Do you guys feel like that new creation? Are you living in that new creation? Because as we know, it's not like our old self got disembodied away from us and thrown into a grave in this physical way. We know that it's still competing for our affections. It's still competing to control our mind. It's still competing to ruin relationships and to ruin our destinies. We know that, but it does not have to win because the lightness, the light overcomes the darkness. And the light of Jesus is in each and every one of us who has put our faith and our trust in him. So in the first movement, it was the creation of the world. And the second movement is bringing a new creation into the world through Jesus and into us and making us new creations ourselves. The third movement, at the end of time, God is going to remake all things into a new heaven and a new earth. And this is an act of creation in itself, and it's talked about all throughout Scripture, even in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 65, verse 17, it says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. He's been planning this for a long period of time, and then we jump to Hebrews chapter 12, and Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. It says, At this time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And we know the things that will remain will be the things of God, for God, through God, and the purpose of God. And that's you and me, right? We will remain in the end if we have our faith and hope in Jesus. 
And lastly, here in Revelation 21, verses one, or verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Two of the acts of creation have taken place, and the third is yet to come, and it's going to be glorious. The second thing that these movements show us and that they have in common is the centerpiece of all of it is Jesus. And you might be saying, well, wait a minute, doesn't Jesus come in the, in the New Testament? Yes and, and no, right? Jesus has been around since the beginning. How did God create everything? He spoke it, right? He spoke it into existence. Check this out, Colossians chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 15 and 17 he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, by Jesus, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Like, wait a minute, how can this be? How can everything be created by Jesus? And this has tripped a lot of people up. But I think this is a great way to understand who Jesus is. When you pair this with Genesis 1, you pair Genesis 1, Colossians 1, John 1, Revelation 1, pair all those together, you see a pretty good image of who Jesus is. The very words God spoke were Jesus. Jesus was and is the word of God. He is the vessel through which God does everything. Through him, all things were created. Through him, all things hold together. For him, all things are made. Jesus is the centerpiece of it all. When... John is talking to some of the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and the other teachers. He says in John 5, 39, that you search the scriptures and it is these that testify of me. This is how Jesus can say that this is about me. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, it is all Jesus, right? We can understand that. Jesus proclaimed it. It is all about him, for him, to tell us the story of him, to help make us more like him. This is the story of Jesus. And in the final creation, it's going to be the same, same way. In the final creation, who's sitting on the throne? It's the lamb, right? He is there in the middle, light radiating out, life radiating out from Jesus. He was there in the beginning as the word being spoken to create everything. He is the 
the one, the vessel through which we become new creations, and he is the one at the end radiating light and life throughout the new creation. Isn't the Bible amazing? Oh my goodness. All right, let's look at the third thing here. Each of these movements all have the same purpose, which is to bring life, to create something new, has Jesus at the centerpiece, and it is to bring life. And you know, a lot of times when we look at, at studies and, and science here, light and life are interwoven. You think about all the things that need light to be alive. Put a plant in a dark room and it'll wither and die. Put a person in a dark room, the same thing will happen. Animals need it. We need it. Plants need it. Light gives us um, vitamin D, which is very important. It also helps our mental health, helps our focus, helps improve our circadian rhythms. It helps our sleep patterns. There's so much life giving elements to light. And that is why when the scriptures say that, that even the heavens declare his majesty, that, that his presence and, and his existence is, is known just by looking at his creation, just by understanding the life-giving elements of light, we can see the power of the light giver and the life giver in that. So light is life-giving. And in John 1, I'm going to look back here at John 1 again, and you notice what is paired together. I'll read it again, just a few verses here in John 1. In him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is both the light and the life of men. In Colossians 3, verse 4, Jesus is also referred to as our, as our life. It says, when Jesus, who is your life, appears. He is our life. You know the, the verse I keep going back to, Galatians 2, 20, for it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer me. It is no longer my life. It is Jesus who is our life. In John 8, 12, Jesus proclaimed as the light of the world. Who else is proclaimed as the light of the world? Us. And that's only because we have his light in us. So if Jesus came here as the light of the world to give life, what are we supposed to do? Little light bearers are also little life givers. Are you giving life? Are you speaking life? Are you being life to those around you? If there's a lesson we can walk away with in looking at who Jesus is, is that he came to breathe life into us, to give us life, so that we could take that life and give it to others. People should feel encouraged when they're around us. People should feel hopeful when they are around us. They should get a, a strength that they are missing by being around us. 
And the only way that we can give that life is if we have experienced it, have been transformed, have accepted the life that Jesus is offering to us. Those who follow Jesus are called to be light into the world. And you know, you look back at Israel, the nation of Israel, we're also supposed to be light in the world. And what they did instead is intermingled and intermixed and became a part of the darkness in the world, oftentimes behaving worse than the sinful people around them. The church people, the church, us, we can't be a part of the darkness. We can't have our wicks snuffed out. This little light of mine, we gotta let it shine. Those, those childhood songs are just as powerful at our age as they were when we were little. Those principles are so strong. Has Satan snuffed your wick? Do you need it relit? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of us that go through things and, and we don't feel strong at times. We don't feel full of life at times. We feel beaten down at times. And that is why Jesus came to create a body of believers so that we can be life to each other. And I have experienced that from several of you in this room. I have received life from you at a time when I needed it. And I know that you have been life to those in this room at times when they needed it. And I am very grateful to be a part of this church and a part of this group of believers. You know, God created life in the beginning. God created a new life in Jesus. But that eternal light had to become flesh and enter the world. And God will create a new glorious life at the end of the age, a life that will never expire, a life that will never wear down. Are you guys excited for that? No more sore knees and backs and shoulders and everything else. No more getting sick. No more losing people. Man, life is hard. And one day it won't be. One day it'll be glorious and it'll be beautiful. But even now, that glorious life has been breathed into you and me to go out into this world and give it away. Yes. So as we close tonight with worship and take communion, just remember what it costs to give you that new life. The great, amazing cost and the price that was paid for you and me in the person of Jesus, the eternal king, the light of the world, who did not remain in darkness, but rose three days later. If you know people right now who are walking in darkness, who are sitting in darkness, who are discouraged, find those people. Be the light to those people. Be the source of life and love and truth and grace and power that they need. Go and be like Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.